The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Carrie, my partner, is uh, off today. She's actually cruising on the high seas with her family. So I'm flying solo today. Thank you for joining us. We're here every Saturday morning on WHK 1420 at 9 a.m. You can also go back and listen to our podcast at your convenience 24-7. Talk more about that later. So often at this time of the year, well, actually, often on on these shows, we reflect on what sometimes we call the great retirement debates that are out there, you know, without the baby boomers, you know, the peak baby boomers, you know, the peaks, peak 65 is happening this year uh, where there's going to be roughly 12 million uh, baby boomers turning 65 every day. And it's the same debate issues that come up. And, and especially at this time of the year, when we're kind of reviewing our last year's, our year ends, you know, nest egg performance, right? And comparing to say, okay, well, what what do we build into the plan as being a, 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 an assumed rate of return versus what did we actually achieve or get in the previous year? So are we on track or have we derailed, right? And so last year at this time, I was throwing out the question or I was throwing out the idea that I kind of felt the reports of the death of the 60-40 portfolio allocation had been greatly exaggerated, right? Um, now, it, it, you could say, yeah, it definitely died in 2022 when the 60-40 lost close to 17%, right? Um, but what my question last year in January was, would we see the 60-40 resurrected? And, and I pulled up this clip. And this is actually going back. Um, this is Keith Wilson, a, 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 a financial planner. Whatever. And he actually recorded this back in 2020. And, and it, 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 I believe it was in August. So it was right after what well, was right in the midst of what we call the Rona recession, right? And so. All right. So the idea of the 60-40 portfolio That's been around for a long, long time. And when it came out, it was designed for people that were close to retirement or already in retirement. But first of all, let's explain what the 60-40 portfolio actually is. So it's really simple. 60% of your portfolio would go into stocks and 40% would go into bonds. So when this was designed, it was meant to help diversify the portfolio. How has this worked out? Well, according to Vanguard, going back to 1926, this 60-40 allocation in your portfolio has had a compounded rate of return of an average of 8.6%. The 60-40 portfolio was really designed to give the investor a moderate ride through market conditions. In theory, When stocks go down, bonds typically go up and vice versa. But this 60-40 portfolio has had a pretty decent run. I'm not so sure that it's likely to repeat itself going forward. 
So, so that, so he threw that out. And of course, there's been, since that time, there's been a big debate. So I'm, I'm going to kind of review the 60-40 later, you know, in, in the show and kind of look at how we at the estate planning team keep telling our clients, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't know if you just throw out these time tested. And the idea is that these, rules of thumb or the other one we'll look at today is the 4% rule. I'm going to tie that in to the 60-40 portfolio. And the idea is saying, yeah, that's not that it says it's going to happen the same way every year. It's more the idea that over a long period of time, that this is how we think things, you know, we can make assumptions today based on these time-tested retirement rules for lack of a better term and we and any one year may that may not follow that doesn't mean that it ruins your 30 year retirement plan and 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 maybe you shouldn't be making knee jerk reactions when the bad news or the you know that bad thing happens that economic downturn happens um, but before we get to that there we, we did have a lot of econ data this week. And I want to touch on that because obviously one of the big retirement debates or financial plan debates is where is inflation going, right? Um, and so we've got the Fed's preferred uh, inflation monitor, and that's the PCE or the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index. That came out this morning. We're taping this show on Friday. Um, and and as what we've seen in the more popular CPI data that comes out earlier in the month, we again the the statistics tell us that inflation has peaked and is now waning. It's it, we're now in this period of this you know immaculate disinflation, right? And so, how do the numbers come out? So, if we want to look at headline PCE annualized year over year, came in at two point six percent. Okay, and that was the same, was flat from the previous November year over year of 2.6%. Now, remember, it started the year at about 5.4% in January. So you can see that has come down. Um, if you want to look at the more recent, the last 30 days, um, it came in at 0.2% increase, which was a little tick up. The previous month of November, it was actually down negative 0.1%. And now it's ticked back up. So it, it, sometimes we talk about the jagged peak of inflation, right? It's, it's not that, you know, inflation shot up like a rocket coming down like a feather, you know, that, that type of concept. But also what really the adults in the room always want to look at core where you exclude food and energy. And how did that do? So, um, again, on the month, the month, it, it matched the headline. There was no difference. It also came in at 0.20 up. And how about on the uh, the annualized the year over year from December to December? Okay, that came in at two point nine percent, and and so I, I don't think there's a lot of talking heads out there who, when when they're making the comment that why would you want to look at core and and extract food and energy, we really ought to be looking at headline. But I don't hear too many of those talking heads now mention the fact that core is running hotter than headline. And, and I always question that. And, and, and that's why, you know, maybe you want to stick with core because again, the Federal Reserve, um, and if you go back and listen to last week's show, I kind of showed that is the reason why the Federal Reserve and other uh, people exclude food and energy is because it, it smooths it out a little bit. It takes out the wild swings of energy or gas at the pump prices and, and food. You know, price of eggs was up to three, four dollars a dozen. It's now back under two dollars a dozen. You know, it, it's hard to judge your whole expenses for the next, you know, 30 years based on those types of wide swings. So again, it, that we can, we can see that all the you know whether you look at PCE or CPI or PPI whether you look at headline or core whether you look at annualized year over year or the most recent month all of them indicate yes inflation is coming down which leads credence to you know do we have a soft landing that the fed has achieved but 
Um, but when you still see these, these little peaks ups, maybe they're not ready to cut rates yet. I don't think the Fed will cut rates in March. We'll see perhaps in, in May. The other big statistic that raised a lot of eyebrows this week was the GDP rating, right? So we got the first read of the fourth quarter. 2023's GDP. So as you know, that, that there's th- actually three readings, you know, so they, they, they you know, it's starting in the first month after the quarter, then the second, then the third month after the quarter. So the experts, you know, the forecasts were looking for 2.0%. Now, if you remember, the third quarter ended up, um, you know, up 4.9% annualized. That was way up there. You know, the first quarter of the year was at about 2%. Um, and, but you know, the, the experts were saying they don't think that 4.9 was sustainable. They were expecting 2.0%, but it actually came in at 3.3%, a big upside surprise. So again, another indicator that's saying that the economy is still growing strong. Um, we still have low unemployment. Inflation is coming down. Is Bidenomics working? I don't know if a lot of people believe that, but, um, but consumer spending is still up. Consumer spending was expected to go up 0.5%. It outbeat estimates. It went up 0.7%. So there you go. It, it's, 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 it sees. Now I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the soft landing is achieved. I'm not saying that it's not possible we could have a recession. And that's what part of our planning process is, is, you know, the idea that, um, if, if you're concerned, regardless of what the shock lines are that you're reading or the talking heads are making you want to believe, so you vote a certain way. If, if you're concerned and you're saying you've done your own homework and you, and you want to be conservative and you want to run a more conservative plan, sometimes we call that plan R for recession or recovery. Um, we, we do that. We do that for our clients. We recommend we do that for our clients. So you can have your base case scenario if, if everything goes well, you'll be okay. That's where you're starting from, right? Um, by the way, if your base case isn't working, you haven't completed your base case yet, right? Um, but let's say you've got to the point where the, the base case is working, but now you want to take off the rose-colored glasses, maybe get a little bit more conservative. But I also caution our clients, too, is that you know when you're making assumptions, yes, you want to be conservative, but you also want to be realistic. And you could be, you know, in other words, if a, if a client says, well, Mark, I don't believe any of those inflation ratings because I'm, I'm on that internet, you know, conspiracy that says inflation is running double digits. And it's like, mm, well, I can run double digit inflation for you for the next 30 years. I, I think you're going to be disappointed in the results. But if you really believe that, then we suggest, well, why don't we forget about all that's out there? Why don't we calculate your personal inflation rate? And then usually I hear the crickets. And I said, yeah. And they said, well, how do we do that? And it's like, well, it, you got to start. In other words, you've got to start tracking your expenses. And once you've got a year's data, now you can build on that. You can say, okay, what were my, you know, expenses at the beginning of the year? What were my expenses at the end of the year? We're talking about the daily living expenses, utilities, groceries, uh, gasoline, you know, that type of thing. Um, and then you could say, okay, how much did they go up in reality for me? I'm not going to ask my neighbor how much they more paid in inflation. I mean, calculate myself. And then maybe that's a better measure to use. Um, all right. Let's see. Also, just kind of switching gears here. Um, Cuyahoga County. So if you're planning on challenging, talking about prices going up, did your real estate tax bill go up? All right. And maybe you're thinking that you want to challenge it. Um, well, okay. So you, you have, you can start doing that now and you, and, and this is Cuyahoga County and you can, you can file that up through April 1st. Okay. Um, now again, <laughs> similar to the required minimum distribution rule, that's April 1st, not April 15th. Don't confuse tax day with some of these other deadlines. Um, so here we go. So property owners wishing to challenge their property valuations for tax year 2023 can now do so. The Cuyahoga County Board of Revision will accept complaints through April 1st. All complaints must be filed with the Board of Revisions by 11.59 p.m. Okay, there you go. Um, or, you know, bear a U.S. postmark of April 1st. 
Okay. Um, there are several ways to file the complaint. You can file at the County dot gov. Um, you know, or you could, you know, I guess, uh, the, one of the things though, is if, if you're doing a hard copy complaint form, they want it notarized. So be aware of that. Um, if you want more information, you can call the board of revision at 216-443-7195. Um, okay. And then another thing too is, um, and this is on my mind because I just recently did this. You know, this, you know, once a year you've got to get your new license plates, right, or the new stickers, I guess. Um, and in the olden days, we always would have to go in, right, to the BMV and get in line and and go through all that rigmarole. Um, I, I've, you know, in in the last decade or so, I I've been mailing it in. You know, I've just um, as opposed to going in, I've I've been doing the mail system. Um, but now there's a newfangled way of doing this, and it, and Discount Drug Mart is, is part of the uh, the test program. So I, I've, I don't know. Has, have you seen this? I have not seen this. Now, but the, you know, the story is that um, you know the Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles, uh, the state is slowly introducing speedy kiosks at different retail outlets around the state. Um, the latest they say is the discount drug mart in Lakewood. I, and I think there's one on the east side, a drug mart that do, has been doing it already. Um, and yeah, and they say the Ohio BMV Express is a self-service kiosk offering drivers a fast and easy way to quickly renew vehicle registration. The average transaction takes less than two minutes. The process involves scanning the vehicle renewal notice barcode or the barcode on a current vehicle registration, selecting a payment option with a credit or debit card, and printing a registration card and license plate sticker. Um, so yeah, so there you go. So now I I don't know. I I have it. I'll have to think about whether I'm going to try that at some time and 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 see how that goes. So that's some of the things that is happening around town. All right. So you're listening to Financial Food for Thought. My name is Mark Donnelly, and the show is brought to you by the Estate Planning Team Incorporated. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build these customized financial plans for now going into our 37th year. Uh, we're a uh, Cleveland, uh, you know, fiduciary uh, planning firm. You know, we're not investment advisors. We get that confusion a lot. No, we're and even I'm, I'm mentioning that today because I'm going to be talking a lot about the 60-40 investment portfolio allocation, but I don't want to give the wrong impression. We don't, that's not what we do for clients. We, we're more traditional financial planners building these models, but we're based, we obviously, when we're building a financial model, we have to make some assumption for what rate of return the investments are earning, right? And we want to stay with our parameters that we want to use conservative and realistic assumptions. And if you'd like more information about our firm, you can please visit our website, financialfoodforthought.com. It's just the same name as our radio show. And on there, you, you can find financial articles, calculators. Um, there's, there's article, you know, there's, uh, you can link to our podcast or these radio shows. And we have more and more clients telling us that they're doing that. You know, a lot of people, it's maybe inconvenient to listen on live on Saturday mornings at nine o'clock. But with the, if you've got a smartphone or a laptop or uh, anything like that, you can just at your convenience, just go go into our website, financialfoodforthought.com, link on the radio show podcast, and there'll be a bank of shows. And you can pick and choose and go through them as you're at your leisure. Um, you also, you can on our website, you can sign up for a free, no obligation consultation. And that, to, you know, as we're getting into the winter months and we know uh, travel can be sketchy at times, there's a lot of sickness going on. seems like, uh, you know, we're hearing that from a lot of our clients and, and people we know and not, as well as our family members, a lot of, you know, the respiratory things going on. So we can do those consultations over the phone. Or it, you can do it. You can come in and, and do them face-to-face, whatever you're more comfortable with. 
So you can sign up for those um, on our website, financialfoodforthought.com, or you can simply call us. So our home office number is 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. And just leave a message and somebody will get back to you on Monday. Um and I'm assuming that'll be Carrie, my partner, that she makes a safe trip home from her cruise. And hopefully all the travel goes fine for her and she'll be back in the office on Monday. So let's review the 60-40 portfolio, right? And how I'm going to do it, I'm going to use a benchmark. So for the growth side or the 60% side, I'm going to use the S&P 500. And for the fixed side, the 40% fixed side, I'll use the Barclays U.S. Aggregate Bond Index. Now, that's not how maybe everybody out there uses as a benchmark. And obviously, whatever you want to use or whatever your investment advisor is using, but you always want to, you know, compare your results to the benchmark, right? I mean, and, but also if we're going to test some of these theories, let's stick with the, the, uh, uh, benchmark consistently. Um, so how did we do for, 2023. Because remember, we said earlier in the show that the 6040 did die in 2022. Um, the S&P was down 19.44%. The U.S. aggregate bond index was down 13%. So on a 6040 basis, that's a net down of 16.87%. Ouch. That hurt. That doesn't happen too often either. I think that was one of the worst performance in, in a long, long time. Maybe a de- uh, not a decade, maybe a century. Um, so did it, was it resurrected in 2023? And it, yes, we could say it was because it, now how the S&P 500 ended up, again, we had a strong fourth quarter in the, in the stock market, but the S&P ended up being up 24.23%. And the aggregate bond index came in at about 5.53%. Not bad. So on a 60-40 basis, that's a net 16.75%. Almost completely recouping the previous 16.87% loss. So that's why often you'll hear, I know you're sick of hearing it, that uh, it's hard to time the market and it, and it's better to just be in the market than perhaps trying to time the market. So, but let's look at now, we can look back and say, well, how has the 60-40 done over the last you know, three, five, 10 year averages? And I'll even go out to 15, 20, 25. I'll go out 30 if you want. Okay, so so how about a recent three-year average? Okay, so on a recent three-year average, so we know we had a big year last year, 2023, a big drop in 2022, and in 2021, it was a double-digit gain. It was 15.47. So on the three-year annualized, it, it's right now the 60-40 is at a 5.12%. Okay, now that's... I, Okay, I mean, is is that what you're, again, back to the, if you're running your financial model and you're trying to be conservative, realistic, and you're saying, okay, I've got a 60-40 portfolio, so I'm going to assume 5%, you're, you're right on plan, right? Even with the bad year in 2022. How about a recent five-year average? Okay, the, the recent five-year average, 9.77%. Hmm. Okay. Um, that's, that's doing a lot better than the 5% that I've built into the plan, right? Um, all right. How about tenure? Okay. So tenure average 60, 40 annualized about 7.39%. So if you look at the tenure, now we've got well, even in the five year, we, we've got the two recessions. And so in this time period, we're also looking how many recessions happened in that three, five, 10 year. Now I'm calling the 2022 a recession. 
Now, uh, historically, I don't think the experts will. Okay, it's it's but if one of you know, and there was a lot of commotion about that, because looking back, one of the definitions or one of the indicators that the recession is going on is if you have two negative GDP quarters consecutively. Remember, we just looked at the GDP you know data that came out today and, and it's doing fine. But if you remember in the beginning of 2022, okay, the first quarter was a negative one point six percent. Okay, and then the second, a consecutive, the second quarter was negative 0.6%, just not even 1% negative, but barely negative. So a lot of people threw up their hands and said, see, two consecutive negative quarters, recession. Uh, no, but then we learned, well, no, there, it, it has to be more than that. The, 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 the powers that be that call these things say, no, it's got to be more of a sustained pain issue. It's got to be more sustained. And they just didn't see the rest of the pain. Um, so I, I, again, but again, I'll throw it in there, you know, and say we had a recession in 2022. Now, if you go back five years, now you're bringing in the Rona recession of 2020. Uh, 10 years. Um, now you, you're bringing in both the, you know, those two recessions. And as I said, the 10 year annualized 60 40, 7.39. How about 15 years? Okay, 15 years annualized 8.7%. Hmm. Now that's kind of right. I remember we, we were listening to that clip in the beginning. And remember, uh, the, the speaker said he was, you know, quoting Vanguard. Now that was taped back in 2020, as I ever said, but he was voting Vanguard statistics and said going back to 1926, the 6040 had averaged annualized 8.6%. Well, that's about just where we are at the 15 year going back more, re- you know, the, la- the latest 15 years. How about if you go back 20 years? Okay. So now going back 20 years, now we got to enter in the great recession, right? The 2008-2009. So now in the last 20 years, we've got three recessions, 2008, 2020, and 2022. So that's got to look really ugly, right? Annualized 6.71%. Still better than if you're only using 5 or even 6% in your plan, okay? How about if you go back 25 years, Okay, going back 25 years, now we see that the annualized 5.89%, just a tad under six. Okay, you want to go back 30 years? Okay, going back 30 years, annualized 7.62. So whether you look at three, five, 10, 15, 20, 25, or 30, any of those annualized the 6040 with this benchmark S&P 500 and aggregate bond index US aggregate bond index all of them are better if than maybe the 5% that you're using in your plan um now another one that I look at for the, the you know the the low people around here because a lot of our clients and maybe some a lot of the listeners are using the Ohio Deferred Comp, you know, the 457 plan. And I have a very good client who provides me with her data. She gets the report every quarter about it's done. Actually, it's a very close client. You know, you can almost say that I've got to marry to this client, if you know what I mean, literally, right? So my very good client. So I always use the that as as a way of saying okay well how is how is uh, that doing and we i look at this different ways and i love it because you know the, the ohio deferred comp they have lots of options they must have i mean they have all the target date funds and they've got probably another 20 options you know going from the different types of equity whether you want international small mid large cap um then they've got a, a couple of bond uh, options and also the 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 uh, a very popular one was the stable value fund their own their own fix where they use multiple managers picking out fixed items um, you know fixed income type uh, investments and they call it the stable value fund um, so so how did that did so so I and I, and and if I if I had to create a benchmark you know a broad based benchmark. I'll use for the equity side, I'll use what they call the, or what's listed as the U.S. large company stock. It's it's a fund that State Street manages. 
And then there's also one in there just called the U.S. Bond Index, also State Street. So just big broad, that's going to mostly, you know, mirror what, what, you know, if you were using the S&P 500 or the aggregate bond index, right? So how did that do for the year? So the U.S., the State Street's U.S. large company stock did 26.28%, okay? And the U.S. bond index did 5.61%. So on a 60-40 allocation, that would have returned you 18.01%, a bit higher than the 5% you built into your plan, all right? Now, another way we can look at it is what I call the old and true uh, allocation using the Ohio Deferred Comp 457. And so for that, for the equity side, the 60% side, I'm going to pick a very old and true, a common name for a lot of you listeners out there, the Fidelity Contra Fund. Now, in the plan, they call it the the Fidelity Contra Fund commingled. It, it's not exactly the Contra Fund you may buy outside on, on the open market. It's specific for the deferred comp plan, but it's, it's going to be a similar uh, investment approach. Okay. And then for the fixed, I'm going to use that one I mentioned, which is very popular with our clients in the deferred comp 457 plan. And that's the, the, the stable value fund. All right. So how did that do? So the Fidelity Contra fund commingled did a measly 37.64%. That's why the Contra fund has been an old, uh, true and favorite for many, many years. Right. Um, how did the stable value fund do? Hmm. Well, that did fine. It did 2.71%, but obviously that was lagging. The bond index fund did, you know, did 5.61%. Um, okay. So now again, I guess this is the time I always have to give the disclaimer, you know, past performance doesn't necessarily predict future results. You know, all investing involves level of risk, including loss of principal. And there is no guarantee that any investment strategy will be successful. Okay. But let's look at this. Um, we cannot only, just like I did before with the, uh, the, the, the benchmark, let's look at how have these been doing over time? Okay, so I just gave you the latest year, the 2023 year, but let's go back to that benchmark. And how did that do over, you know, that's where I use the State Street, the large company stock and the bond index. All right, so over three years, okay, that's that did about 4.65%. See, in that case, that lags over three years if you're using 5% in your plan. But that difference, 35 basis points, that's not going to derail your retirement plan. Okay, because if again, if you go to the not if you go to the five year, it's nine point eight five percent. Okay, and if you go longer the ten year, it's seven point nine four percent, almost up to you know that not quite the eight point six percent that Vanguard said has been historically since twenty six, but you know pretty darn close. Certainly a lot better than the five percent if you that's what you booked your plan on. How about the old and true? So as I said, you know, what really boosted that this last year was that Contra fund doing 37.64%. Okay. But how, so for the year, that's 23.67%, you know, with the stable value fund. Uh, that's a little rosy. You don't want to book that for the next 30 years, right? So how did that, if you chose to, how did that do over the three years? About five and a half percent better than the 5%. Maybe you're running in your plan. Um, how about over five years? Double that, 10.9%. Okay, how about over 10 years? Okay, using the Contra Fund and the stable value, 60-40. About 8.76%, right back to that Vanguard historical average since 26. All right, um, and, and again, that 10 years um, has got, you know, some recessions in it. All right. Um, now, but but you can also look and, you, you know, with the flexibility of that Ohio deferred comp of 457 plan, we could also just for fun, what if we looked at what the best in class did? In other words, if I picked out the best equity fund performance, okay, and the best fixed performance option looking in the rear view mirror, how did that do? 
Well, for the 2023 year, that by the way, that wasn't that Fidelity Contra fund that did 37%. Actually, the U.S. large growth company stock, a T. Rowe Price manager, actually did better. It did 47.15%. Yikes. All right. Um, and now the... Um, and for the bond, it, it you know it actually one of the other bond funds, the U.S. bond, it was a the TCW. TCW is the the trust company of the West. That's another manager, but they actually did a little bit better than the overall bond you know index. Uh, they came in at five point eight six percent. So using the best in class for twenty twenty three, your sixty forty returned a measly thirty point six three percent. Okay, how did that say? If, let's say you stayed with those. Now, how did those same two, the, the T. Rowe Price and the TCW, how did they do over three years? So I just told you how they did over 2023, 30.63%. How did they do over, if you look over the last three years, 2.12%. That's why you don't always chase the ones that did best last quarter or last year. Okay. Um, now, how did that, if you would have stayed with those for five years, okay, then you're at 10.44%. Okay. How about 10 years? You're at 9.46%. Still, now that's still better than, so, so that's where, again, where, you know, too many people make knee-jerk reactions. I can imagine if if somebody had picked out those two, and for the three years, they're saying, "I'm only up two percent. I got to get out of that." But if they went, if they were in there for ten years, they're still at ten percent. So, so, so there you go. How about the worst in class? Speaking of bad years, how about who did worst? If you if you if you were unlucky enough to pick the two worst options in the in the Ohio deferred comp plan, you know, under your sixty forty, how would you have done? So for the equity size, the equity side, the 60%, that would have been the non-U.S. company stock. Well, no surprise there. You know, we had Europe, we had a recession, you know, we, we had a war in Ukraine, obviously. All right. So, but it still didn't do, the, 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 the international didn't do bad. It did 15.92%. So I, I don't know if you can shake a stick at that. Yeah, it was lagging the uh, Contra fund, you know, but it still... 15.92. And how about, and, and then of the bond options, that stable value was the worst performing for 2023 at 2.71%. But even the worst performing was annualized, you know, for the year, 10.64%. All right. And, and how, how about if you were, were, were in those two options, the international and the stable value, how would it have done over three years? 1.91%. Five years, 5.38%. 10 years, 3.41%. Hmm. So maybe you're saying, ah, maybe that's not the best allocation if I'm trying to get a 5% in my plan overall. Um, now, a lot of people think that, um, you know, 50-50, or I'm sorry, 60-40 is, is too aggressive. Um, so this gets into, uh, say, well, how did 50, 50 do? And, and we can look at that as well. So what I'll do is I'll just, instead of allocating it at a 60, 40, I'm going to dial the risk down and look at if, what if you were running a little bit more conservative at a 50, 50. 50% on the equity or growth side and 50% on the fixed income side. Now, I'm not going to do all of the ones, but I will do the benchmark. So, so again, using the Ohio Deferred Comp 457, the benchmark 50-50 uh, would have returned for the 2023 year 15.95%. And over three years, 3.32%. Over five years, 8.39%. And over 10 years, 6.92%. So even at a 50-50, you could have been using 5% and your plan is going to be just fine. You're still going to be at a plan, obviously. What if you were in that old and true, the you know Fidelity Contra Fund and the Stable Value Fund and a 50-50 allocation? Well, for 2023, you would have done 20.18%. Over three years, 4.93%. 
still right there at your 5% maybe you're using in your plan. Five-year, 9.46%, almost double the 5% you were using. And 10 years, about 7.68%. So so there now also looking at a 50-50, that leads us to you know, Bill Benjamin's 4% rule. And, you know, we've talked on this show many, many, for many decades, the 4% rule. If you're not familiar with it, William Benjamin, he was a pretty smart guy. Um, he was a, you know, MIT aeronautical engineer. Okay. Then he graduated and he actually ran the family, owned a business. He ran that for years. Um, I think for deck, I think after 17 years, then he, he kind of retired. They sold the business and then he didn't retire. He, he started a financial planning career. Um, and he, and, and very successful. And, and he published his work in, in 1994 and, and it, it's affectionately known now as a 4% rule. He never called it that, by the way. Um, he just kind of called it, you know, he was working with clients and he, a common denominator for new clients come in that are saying, Hey, Bill, you know, how much can I spend in retirement and not run out? Right. A very common one. And back then, you know, in the early nineties, yeah, we had computers, but we certainly didn't have the modeling programs that we have today. So he was looking for something you could do, you know, pretty much on a handheld calculator. Right. And, and actually it, it's a lot of times it, it's when you, if you ever hear a professional investment advisor talking about the 10 minute retirement plan, it, it's it meaning saying you can build your retirement plan in 10 minutes. It's usually some type of uh, offshoot of Benjamin's 4% rule. Now the parameters around the 4% rule was that um, some of the ones that we've been talking about today. One that, you know, for a rate of return on the investments, he used 5%. And he said that was based on a basically about a 50-50 portfolio. Now, there's some debate about that, whether he meant it was 60-40 or 50-50. He, he kind of always, over the decades, kind of went back and forth. But either case, as I just showed you, there's not maybe a great difference in a 60-40 or a 50-50 allocation over a long period of time. His long period of time, by the way, was 30 years. That's key. Okay. Um, and then also, um, he made the assumption that whatever you take out the first year in retirement, the safe withdrawal, so to speak, then in the second year, you, you take out an amount higher than the first year by the rate of inflation you want to assume. So some people make the mistake. They think that the 4% rule says that, yeah, you take out 4% of your nest egg in year one, but then in every year after that, you take out 4%. No, that's not how the rule works. The rule works as that in the first year, you take out 4% of your beginning nest egg, but then after that, you take out, he used 3.5%. So in the second year, you take out 3.5% more than you did the first year. And the third year, you take out 3.5% more than the second year. So your, your actual annual withdrawal is going up higher than 4%. And, and, and the 30 years coming and said is that he was running it so that by the time you got to the bottom of the 30 years, your investment nest egg was approaching zero. Okay. Meaning you're spending the last dollar in the last day, so to speak. Um, now again, that's just what he was using. But over the years, we've had a lot of shock lines about that. Here's just some of them. Is the 4% rule still relevant for retirees? And then here's another article. The 4% solution isn't right for all retirees. Okay. Here's another one. Is the 4% withdrawal rate still a good retirement rule of thumb? Okay. Well, here's another one responding to that. Why the 4% rule for retirement won't work anymore. Okay, how about this one? Think you can rely on the 4% rule in retirement? Here's another one. Retiring soon? Why the popular 4% withdrawal rule may be a bad idea. Okay, we're getting even worse. Here we go. Is it time to forget the 4% rule? And here's our article responding to that. Forget the 4% retirement spending rule. Would you believe 1.9%? Now we get into, well, why the 4% rule is broken? And here's the final one. 
New math for retirees and the four percent withdrawal rule. I get a kick out of that one. New math, right? a, lot of, a lot comes on that, or or just the idea is the four percent rule is broken. Well, math doesn't break, right? Two plus two is four today. Two plus two was four back in ninety three, ninety four when Benjamin was working on this, and two plus two will be four thirty years from now. So it's not the fact that math is broken or the 4% rule is broken. What's changing is, you know, what assumptions are you using? And, and as I said, Benjamin never called it the 4% rule. And he also never said that it's so static. You know, the idea is that it always gives you an idea of saying where, where you're, it's a very act, it's more active than that. We're very active planners at the estate planning team. That's what we've been telling clients. You, if you want to use the 4% rule and do your 10 minute retirement plan, that's fine. You take your nest egg, you take 4% of it, and then you add in your pension if you're lucky enough to have one or your social security income. You add it all up, the, the pension, the social security income and the 4% withdrawal. And that's a budget you can start spending in retirement and that'll last for 30 years. Okay, there's your 10 minute retirement plan. But in reality, that's not the way we do it for our clients. We build a more detailed plan. But also, if you were going to stick with this type of of simple back of a napkin or hand calculator, then you at least adjust it every year. Okay, um, because obviously, if if you're ahead of plan or behind plan, it's going to adjust the percent you know that you're taking out that year. You can still start over again. So now, maybe ten years, you don't you don't want to use the four percent rule anymore because the four percent rule is based on a thirty year time period, right? You get the you get the point. But so let's but well, all those articles that said that the plan is no longer working. Um, or it's broken. I, I've yet to see any data to prove that to me. Okay. Because if I, if I'm going to now, you know, I'm now, let's see if I can go back and say, let's prove whether or not the 4% rule. In other words, how Benjamin did it was he looked back. He historically looked back all the 30 year time periods. And why was he using 30 years? Because he said that was like the, the retirees, you know, time frame for retirement. So he used 30 years. If you think you're only going to last 20, use 20. If you think you're going to last 35, you better adjust for 35, right? Um, if you come in for a free consultation, we'll do this for you. Well, you, you tell us what your investments are. You tell us what rate of return you want to use. You tell us how long your time period is. You tell us what inflation factor you want to use and we'll adjust it. The 4% rule adjusted for your particular. Now we're getting somewhere, but let's get back to the 30 years. So, so what I'm going to do here. So now I can look back. So we just finished 20 and I did this last year too. So, um, and, and what I'm going to do, so I'm now I'm going to look at 2023 and I'm going to go back 30 years to 1994. Okay. And instead of using Benjamin's um, benchmark, you know, 5% rate of return, I'm going to use what the actual 50-50 investment rate of return was for the last 30 years based on the S&P 500 and the aggregate bond index. And instead of using Benjamin's 3.5% as a you know, assumption for inflation, I'm actually going to use, and I'll use the headline because I know most people say, use headline, Mark, don't use core. Okay, I'll use the headline actual CPI inflation every year for the last 30 years, okay? Um, and then and then we'll see, did it hold up? Because if you look over the last 30 years, you know, there's, um, there's four recessions in there because that brings in the 2001, you know, re- recession, you know, the stock, the, the, the dot-com bubble burst, right? The 2008, the Great Recession, the Rona Recession in 2020, and I'm still throwing in the, the question mark recession of, of 2022, okay? Now, in that, in the last 30 time, year time period, um, there have been, in the 50-50 allocation, there have been only seven years where it was actually negative returns. Seven out of the last 30. Okay. How about the, um, and, but how, what, so what is the average annualized 50-50 done for the last 30 years from 2023 back to 94? Because remember, Benjamin was assuming five in his in his formula. Well, the actual over the last thirty years was seven point one one percent. Okay, um, how about inflation? So Benjamin was using three and a half percent. Okay, the actual headline inflation for the last thirty years annualized 
is only about 2.45%. That includes, you know, the, the recent, you know, the 2021, 2022 heavy years. Um, so, so there you go. So, so in, so again, even though there was all that talk about the, the 4% rule being broken, I, it, it, to me, over the last 30 years, it's still holding up. Um, now, remember when Benjamin was originally doing it, it was, it was kind of like spend the last dollar in the last day. So he was saying that if, yeah, if you, um, followed this plan, you know, and, you know, the common example, you start off with a million dollars. So the first year you take out 40,000, then you increase that by three and a half percent every year, assuming a 5% rate of return. Um, that by the time you got down to the bottom of the 30th year, your million dollars is approaching zero. Well, do you want, do you want to guess that not only under the last 30 years, we didn't run out of money, meaning that the the plan, the 4% rule worked for the latest 30-year period because you, your investments didn't run out. Actually, using that same beginning number, a million dollars, and instead of taking out 40000 the first year, I'm saying that the inflation factor for 2020 or for 1994 was 2.6%. So I started by saying you take out forty one thousand and forty dollars the first year, and then you, you apply the actual inflation rate. So I actually put in the real numbers to see if I would have run out of money if I started my plan thirty years ago, assuming the four percent rule. And no, I did not run out of money. As a matter of fact, the net balance of the investments at the end of the thirty year period, it's not zero. It's not $1 million. It's not $1.5 million. It's not $2 million. It's actually $2,232,000. That's eye-opening. Because that's where, you know, you, you, you know it's back to what we're, we're telling our clients is that yeah, it, it, I don't, I'm not here to say the 4% rule is broken. As a matter of fact, when I did this last year, the 30 year period from 1993 to 2022, that also met the plan. As a matter of fact, that, you know, was even better at, at the, you know, the, starting last year with the 30 year, you ended up with 2.26 million at the end of the 30 year period. See, that's why you also just don't want to do the 4% rule and put it in the sock drawer for 30 years. The benefit of active planning is that you're watching this as you go. So you're adjusting it as you go because maybe it's not your plan to, to leave 2.6 or 2.3 million in your nest egg when you're at the end of the 30 year period. Now, I agree it's maybe not also your plan that you want to run it down to zero. Maybe in reality, we want something in between, but in order to keep on track, you have to keep maintaining it. That's what we mean about what we try, you know, a financial planning discipline. I mean, you can use these, you know, back of the envelope calculations. You can do the 10 minute retirement plan, but I don't know if that's really getting you in a decision making mode as opposed to this is a good place to start to see if you're in the ballpark. But in reality, if you start tracking these things, you're going to have a much better retirement. All right. Hear the music, everybody. Have a good weekend. If you want more information, you know, just call the office, schedule a consultation, 440-239-2090. Go Cavs! Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.